Welcome to another episode of the Seminar This is L. KB. Hashtag feminism. African queen. African queen. Three black black women. Where's the lie? Let me tell you something. I just saw this show. If y'all got some shit to say, y'all better say it before somebody get here. Go. Go ahead and do your intro. No, I want to do it while we <laughs> right. Let's do it out of order today. Today is the right. day. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shoot. We're welcoming new things into 2021. We a little late, guy dang it, but we here. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so KB, what's going on in Philly? Don't you need to do your opener? You ain't got nothing to say? Don't you need to do this your opener? No. Opener. Right. This we, is my opener. This is straight it. to the point. No answer. God is, God is good. My paper straight. God is great. And paper, my paper straight. That's it. Go. Was that an Easter that's speech? That's silly. No, that's what that little young boy say. That's a little rapper. He say that. What? Ra- what okay, young whatever. boy? I don't know. Whatever. Okay. L, so how she you made that up. L, how I'm you not doing? well. What's I'm wrong? not well. Like, this has been just a very long week. And after, like, honestly, I feel like I've been working probably at least until like 10 o'clock every single night this week. And I am tired. I'm sick. Because, girl, it's a mission season. So, even though I've been promoted, it's a mission season. And we had over 1,300 applications just for the ninth grade, almost 1,500 total. And I had to hand calculate every single goddamn GPA. What I always say, fuck them kids. Girl, I can't do that. Yes, you can. so much right now. You saw X not Because you do say that. No, right. And if you know what? And the funny thing is, it's always this time of year. Because this is why you couldn't because go to... Because it's admission no, season. This is why you couldn't go to Trinidad. Oh, it's always miss that one. Right. It's always some... It's admission season. Fuck them kids. That's what I other people that. that work at that school, they can do that shit. Facts. Uh, hmm. But the thing is, no one else does admissions because L is what? The director of admissions. That sounds like a personal it's problem. It's a committee of one. They need to... Nope. They need to hire some It is a personal problem. They like need it's to... Me. They nope, they need to like hire I some more people person. and delegate, like XA. Thank, delegate. Thank you, producer. You, you, oh, send, no. okay, you get no, nope, you get that to somebody else. Okay, let's be nice to her. Let's just be nice to her. Thank you. Like, honestly, I don't want people to fuck my shit up. That's what the real thing is. Control, you got that's, that's control. No, nope. thank you. That's the problem. You mm-hmm. can't relinquish control, give it that's to somebody true. else. But also, okay, but the agreement was is that even when I got promoted, the agreement was is that I would delegate all of my other responsibilities, but I would still keep being, keep doing admissions for this year. Next year, that won't be an issue anymore. Yeah, don't do that again. I mean, no, I'm not. Well, no, because it happened in the middle of the school year. So I already started the process. You know, if this had been a normal year, I absolutely would not be doing this. This would not be my responsibility. So here we are. Um, so I am drinking. What am I drinking? Jack and ginger. 
Jack Honey and Ginger. Mm. And I also realized that I'm not taking care of myself. Don't make that face shook. This is actually pretty That sounds disgusting, but do you, boo? It's not. It's quite delicious. <laughs> okay. It's quite delicious. But I've also realized that I'm not taking, that I stopped taking care of myself. Because y'all know how I was, at least in the spring and the fall, I was walking. And then mm-hmm. I bought my bike and I was driving my bike in the house. Like, I just stopped doing all that shit. And I was like, Elle, you got to get back on good foot, girlfriend. Like, I know these people trying to kill you at work, but you've got to start taking care of yourself again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I'm also excited. Out. I am. Mm-hmm. I am. So I also went out to brunch with a friend on Valentine's Day. And we were just talking about how we're tired of being in the house. Mm-hmm. and how we need to go out and I also said I was like also okay Jay I have to be honest with you. well I'm not gonna say this because we're gonna come yes I am gonna say it fuck it I was like I also need to get up under a man and I was like and COVID has really fucked up my <laughs> that's really fucked up my my physical life I'm just saying it's messed it's up a lot of people's it. it's messed up a lot of people's lives so we'll and we'll probably get into this later but COVID has really brought a lot of things to light I'll say especially for men there was an article that I came across where it was talking about how men don't really have like real deep friendships the way that women do and COVID has been affecting that because it's like they can't get together and go to the bar and all that kind of stuff like they normally do so it's like you know how we'll just get on the phone and FaceTime and talk they they kind of don't do that. So it's having, it's forcing them to make them reevaluate some of their, um, their friendships. So you told us, Elle, that you had a Valentine's Day brunch or you went to brunch for on Valentine's Day. How about I you? Did. How about you, uh, Shil? Because we saw all, all the stuff. All the flowers. I had a great Valentine's Day for it. And I'm like, I don't know what I've done differently this year, but I got roses i got tulips somebody also cashed at me and was like have dinner on me so i was like but wait so all of that that's great but i also had a fucked up valentine's day because i got into a car accident so i'm experiencing a little bit of ptsd with all of the snow and this ice so it's it's bittersweet because I've had my baby for, what is this, 2021? So I got that car in 2006. And that car has been paid off for 10 years. So sure, I'm not looking for... Sure. Um, you know, I just want to say something real quick. I know you've been having that baby for a very long time. That was my baby. Okay. I just want to say something, though. I, I'm so glad that you are okay. I know you wanted me to get a new car. That's you've all been I want to say. Me, Go ahead. I, you've been wanting me to get a new car. But the thing is, like, I don't like having car notes. But Nobody also, does. Cars. Nobody does. But you I had a dog on high school uh, car that you was pushing around. No, that was not a high school car. I bought that car after I graduated college. Thank you. And then also that Toyota was dependable. That was the reason why I bought the Toyota in the first place. So yeah, I'm stop toasting her. Stop. That's it. real shit. That's why it's lasted 15 years, and that's why right. I still got my mama's Toyota. That's real shit. The cars are built to last. It's also 15 years old this year. Yes, it's it, also 15 years old. But as those, soon as I get notification that you know. Everything is permanent and in stone for the next school year. I'll be doing a little upgrade. 
Yes, yeah. Lord. Both of y'all come on into the light. Appreciate Any, it. Sit on anyway. KB. But I also, I feel like I kind of manifested this because I was like, okay, by the end of this year, I'm going to buy a new car. I just don't like the circumstances that it happened under. But I also said, I was like, I want my Lexus IS. So I now have my Lexus IS and it's lovely. But the downside is that I'm no longer going to be able to go to Egypt for our birthday. And I feel some kind of way about that. But I do have a lovely tax return. So we'll we'll see what I can make shape. I don't, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to figure out why you didn't figure that out. You can figure that out, man. Come on. Come but you that can. Means I you would can be, use that tax return to come to Egypt. That that means that I would be eating ramen noodles until um um Gucci because that also have means a great trip though. But that I also can means for you. Aww. I can bring you food. We can cook. I'll cook. Listen, because I like to cook. However, it's hard cooking for one person. How you gonna get it here? Because I'm listen. When I say I'm paranoid. <laughs> About oh. going outside and the fact that we have um, snow on the ground. Like, this was a little poo-poo snowstorm. They were like, oh, we going to get up to eight inches. It might be an inch out there, but it's still the fact that, because I hit a patch of black ice and slid into a car. So, it's not the snow that scares me. It's it's the ice. So, the I'm ice like, I don't want to, I don't want to leave the house unless I have to. So if you want to drive from D.C. to Baltimore to deliver me meals, I will take that. Just know I'm not driving to D.C. And that's all I got to say about wait, that. Wait, pause. Oh, wait, I have to cook and do the delivery? Yes. I'm not You're driving. asking too much. I'm just going to say I'm, a, I'm, I'm not, going to say, say it on behalf of L. you asking for too much. Well, cash out me Thank the money. You. And I will, I will do Uber Eats or something. Like if you want to make sure I'm fed, well, cash wait. at me. X say he'll deliver the food if we can get him a plate. Talking <laughs> about if I cook, I, I know. Cook, like come pick up the plate. Yeah, and he gonna drop off sugar. <laughs> I appreciate. Thank you. Ed. We can make that work. We can make that work. Okay. We can get a so little food train going. Nobody no, asked me about my Valentine's. Hey, it comes to his birthday. So what did you do for Valentine's Day, KB? We'll talk about this later, X. Okay. What did you so, do, KB? So I just want to say, um, so my Valentine's was really weird. So, you know, I did a little, you know, had a little activity like two days before Valentine's Day. Activity? And then, oh, well, no, I shouldn't say that. Um, right. I'm like, what kind of activity are we talking about here? No, I went to the movies. I went oh, and saw... Okay. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah. It was amazing. In the movie theater? In the movie theater. I had not been to the movie theater, y'all, in over a year. But they, and it was not in Philadelphia. I had to go to New Jersey. But Philly ain't playing that shit. And so, yeah, I went. So that was really good. And then on Valentine's Day, little Kay and I cooked breakfast together. She insisted on everything being pink. So we had pink pancakes. We had pink scrambled eggs. Oh, and then we had so turkey cute. sausage, and she cut the sausage in heart into shape. a heart. Oh, oh, oh I love her so much. <laughs> you want to come get so him? Much. You want to come get him? No, because I oh, was I donated this. to no. her campaign. Oh, and thank you, guys. No, all y- thank y'all so much. My tribe actually donated to Little K School, so thank you, guys. Y'all keep y'all receipts. That's tax deductible. Hell That's yeah. 
Hell so yeah. thank y'all so much for that. So yes, little K and I had breakfast and just took it kind of easy or whatever. And then, you know, the flowers and candy came, you know, the, the next day. So that was cool because I was on mommy duty on Valentine's Day, but it's cool. And it was, you know, everything was kosher. I had a great meal afterwards the next day as well. Crab cakes with lobster and oh. these garlic mashed potatoes that were absolutely delicious and broccoli. Mm. It was just a wonderful meal and like everything was kosher. So that was my B-Day. Mm. You love to see it. Right. That's awesome. So, Shug, what's happening? A lot has happened. Okay. So everything we're going to talk about today is kind of related to like love and relationships in honor of Valentine's Day. I don't know if y'all picked up on that, but so the I first... know somebody must be in love with all this dumb shit. Go. No, that part the with reason... the roses and the tulips. Right. But I'm like the reason that the first two She's saying right. Because... I'm talking about you. Who? Me? Who else we talking about? Who else got roses and tulips? What is we doing? I only oh. got roses. Shit. I bought my own goddamn flowers. I bought I bought little flowers. I bought my daughter flowers because I said I don't want her to ever be impressed by nobody pulling up with nada, nothing. Okay. I mean, well, I got Bay a gift too, so it wasn't like one sided. I got him stuff too. Oh, you're so nice. But also, there was someone else besides Bay that sent you tulips, right? Listen, until it's a ring on my finger. Guess I'm what? Head, I'm not hearing these screens. Listen, this is a guess ju- what? This is a judgment-free zone. I'm is just it judgment-free? Is it judgment-free? Ju- yes. Okay. What? What? Well, I just want to say Michael B. Jordan's gift. Right. What? Hey, he gave a, a gift that life lasts a lifetime. Yes, you know what? So even but, like the aquarium, the aquarium shit. I, I don't yeah. talk about that. Let's talk about that, the other gift. That was impressive, but the fact that he bought her like stock was like that's a different level of I Lifetime. love you. That's what I'm telling you. That's something that's going. Yeah, go. That's that's serious. That's the type of gift that I'm talking about. Although him renting out the aquarium and giving her the stuffed turtle and all of that, that was really sweet. But the fact that he bought her stock, I was like, oh, okay. But I also feel like people are, I won't even say people. The rumor is, is that Michael B. Jordan and Lori are together for publicity because this really came out of nowhere. They've only- No fucking way. Yeah, they've only been dating for like a month and now they're all over the place. And normally they're both kind of a little more low key with their relationships. But the fact that it's been plastered all over social media has a lot of people questioning if this is real or not. But you know who is real? Sierra and Russell Wilson. Fact. I love Wilson. I I love that they love so publicly, but I'm also in that school of thought where sometimes you got to keep certain things to yourself because the devil will come and attack when you talk too much and you brag on people. Like, I, I really do believe that you just don't brag on nobody because man will d- disappoint you. And I don't, I don't want it to sound crazy, but I don't know. These pedestals, I'm concerned about this. I'm praying for the best, but it's these pedestals that we put people on. And I'm speaking from you know, 
experience and not me doing it, but just seeing it being done. But, you know, biblically, you're not really supposed to put man on such a high level. And I also feel like you can't just talk so much about people. And I don't want this. And I'm not hating or nothing like that. Like, it's not a hate thing. I'm just, I just no, it's want not. that thing to work. And I'm just like, ooh, can we just keep it? Mm, mm. That's it. Like Tony Daniel at all. Yeah, because no, I, so I agree with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, girls will like right. throw themselves like, oh, he's the best. I'm going to go get this. I don't want nobody touching them. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of, I don't know. That's what I'm I, I feel you, but I think with him being in the NFL, he gets that anyway. So my whole thing, and the reason why I wanted to bring up the first two articles, because all of this hoopla about them is coming apart about, because Russell was like, his biggest fear is losing Sierra. So all these dudes are coming out the woodwork talking about this man is a simp. Like anytime they are in the news, they throw Russell Wilson under the bus. And that was the reason why I wanted to talk about this because I'm like, I want the word simp to be retired because I really don't understand why expressions simp. They call him a simp. Like he's, he's simple. Yeah. He's a sucker. Like, this is very wet, but I'm also like, what is it about these two people expressing a healthy respect and love for each other? Like, it's a good example of what Black love should be. I feel like this is a relationship yeah. that people should aspire to, but they keep coming. No, I don't they agree. keep coming for this man. And I don't understand, like, why? Because he really loves his wife. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, but can I it's just say- not. But uh, I just want to say one thing with the fear thing, and maybe it's because I just came off of um, a sermon. You know what I'm talking about, Alpha Street. And then they had a series, I Shall Not Fear. And I just listened to the first one. And I guess my thing is like, even that statement, even though we it is healthy to have fear, like you're going to have fear about certain things. There's nothing that you're supposed to hold on. So if you're walking around with this fear of somebody leaving you, then that's not really healthy. Another thing, I know sometimes we look at relationships that are going look like they're really well. And I'm not saying that they have nothing going on at home. I actually do believe that they really are happy and everything is kosher. But we should not want what somebody else have. You ask God for what he got for you. I don't want shit nobody else got. I don't give a fuck how good it is. Right. What, it's good for them. That don't necessarily mean that's going to be good for me. So I just, I, that's why that's I'm so true. careful about them. Like they just... I love, like, I agree with you, Shug. I love Black love for sure. I just don't know if it's being handled the way we, sh- I don't know. Anyway, I'm on some Christian shit today. So, so. <laughs> so, two, so I think two quick things. I think, KB, you and I think similarly in the fact that, you know, some things you got to keep to yourself and keep close to the best. Um, however, I think that a lot of us, and by us, I mean Black people, unfortunately do not know what a healthy relationship looks like yes so when Thank we you, see Elle. it when we see a black man that mm-hmm. loves a woman and loves her unconditionally and supports her and is there for her and wants to build a family with her niggas don't know how to act they don't know they how to don't. react to that they that's don't the, yeah that's what the, the to me i think that's what you know the issue is and where it comes from you know and people you know, it's unfortunate. People are always going to, you know, try to hate. And, but I think they're hating because they just don't understand that that is what real love is about. That's what it is. Yeah. 
And it could be like you say, especially men, if they feel threatened because they weak themselves. I mean, shit, you might get that. There, so, there it is. I don't, I don't agree with like throwing the hate at them. I just want them to be like keep that shit together and like they focus on them and not putting so much out and advising other people like you guys just worry about you all like that's it but anyway I, I mean I'm happy for them I, I want them to win like I really do I love like you say I love to look at something that's healthy on the outside and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I mm -hmm. said that on purpose right um and yeah that's it anyway well but since we also talked about dysfunctional love I will oh say who, who I do think is a simp is this lady uh -huh. who won that who won that Powerball? She won like what, 130 million? And she keeps bailing 188. her. 188. Oh, 188 million. She keeps bailing her, her ex fiance. Let's make that clear. She keeps bailing this man out of jail and he is now suing her. Make <laughs> it make sense. Make the it make sense. She somebody. Was on. Like, wasn't she on with Elania? Elania? Yeah. Okay. She was on, yeah. I remember that episode, and when I saw this article in the amounts that he was asking for, sir, sir, can you spell six hundred thousand? I don't think you can spell no, it. Why? I don't think you can spell it. You ain't got nothing, nothing, nada worth six hundred thousand. If it was worth six hundred thousand, she bought it. But that's that why part. he's suing her because he wants it. <laughs> he wants it back. You it's come, you go with what you had when you came in. Nothing. Go. It's the audacity. And that's why I'm like, sometimes God will block a thing for your protection. And I'm like, I hate. Yes. I, Hallelujah. I, I hate that it didn't work out. But at the same time, I'm like, sis, this is a toxic relationship. And this is not meant for you. Like, if you have to keep chasing behind somebody and throwing behind large amounts in order to bail them out of their own situations that might be something that you need to let go of like it's not clearly mine. not meant it's not clearly not meant you do you do and what you say he bailed, she bailed him out four times four and he still has the audacity to her matter of fact you I got a jailbird you got he a straight up jailbird he in jail right now trying to sue her so that's why i'm like sis if you don't cut cut it Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to say I'm excited about the miseducation of Lauren Hill going diamond. And y'all, I just met someone who was like, Lauren Hill is overrated. He's another DJ. What? What? She kind of is. Clutch is <gasps> she kind of is. I agree. I do. I agree. I'm and I'm gonna, the poll. No, but the miseducation, like what she, like, no, okay, but she I'm hasn't done anything since. No, I know you probably, is it because of that? She hasn't done anything since. But let's focus on the work that she did do. But the reason why I say that is because she's also been sued because she didn't pay the people who worked on that album. So that's why if you see her live, those songs sound completely different because yeah. she's not allowed to perform them the way that they were done on the album which is why a lot of people feel like all of the hype was due to the musicians who were on the album and that's why she hasn't come out with anything else because who worked on that it was john legend that worked on that album it was robert glasper oh he really on that album robert glasper yes. is like classic yo he's yes I know that. He, is. A, he absolutely if, is 
a lot of people that she had backing her and then she started to get this diva attitude with call me miss hill and that's why all of these nasty publications and documents and all of these articles were being written about her because it was kind of like she let it go to her head so i'm happy that it went diamond but at the same time it's kind of like she didn't make that second album because that unplugged album was completely different from the miseducation like it was i, pers- I personally like well, the normally unplugged yeah yeah and normally unplugged albums are different from I get like the that. regular album. I actually but, like people didn't like the unplugged album. I actually I just don't. bought the vinyl. I just got it in. I paid like $35 for that shit too. But I liked That's it because I, I just, yeah, I just I couldn't get it on Apple or I guess yeah, you can. Or her distribution. It's, but yeah, I ended up buying the, the vinyl version. And I think for me, that MTV Unplugged was a really raw album. Like it's it's completely raw. She, you can hear her crying through it. And to be honest, I actually listened to that shit so much during my separation, bitch. That was therapy. That that's why because she was going through a lot. With, Hell yeah, um, and I felt it. Yeah, Black Club, Rohan. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was going through a lot at the time, but love Lauren, but it's kind of like her her legacy got tarnished with that. So, but kudos to her. Well, that wasn't the Black only thing. Win. I mean, that was. I mean, let's be honest. That wasn't the only thing that tarnished sure. her reputation. Guys. Oh, her being late? No, yeah, then it was yeah. that, and then also the whole relationship with um. She slept with Wyclef while he was married. Yeah, the and whole relationship with Wyclef. If, yeah, mm-hmm. if Rohan or Wyclef was her da- baby daddy. Yeah, it was rumors. Not it as much rumors. as Alicia Keys, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, and she was like super young at the time. It was a lot of things that were kind of against her so but she also didn't help her case but moving on and I know this isn't on the um this wasn't something that we wanted to talk about but I just saw this pop up on my timeline and I thought that we would have to to bring this um to bring this up but I just found out that Prince Marky D from the Fat Boys has passed away he was 52 only 52 oh really yeah oh yeah, so we thanks, missed. Thanks you. for bringing yeah. this down, Shug. I'm sorry, but I was like, I was so shocked. Like, I don't oh. know if y'all were looking at my face when I was like, oh my god. But yeah, it just it just broke. They haven't. They don't even have a cause of death yet. But rest in peace to Prince Marky D. Mm. Yes, rest well, in peace. Mm. All well, right, that goes to the church. Let's go to the church. <laughs> <laughs> I did, can't, I did any did anybody watch it? Like I haven't watched it, but I did DVR it. But I um I did want to watch it because KB, as you mentioned, Alfred Street. I think they did interview Pastor John um Howard oh, Wesley. Really? Yeah, DVR too. I yeah. haven't watched it, so I'm I'm looking forward to it um as well. So yeah, okay, awesome. Yeah. I heard so really good reviews. People were like really excited about it. So I hope it got. The clout that it needed. That's what's up. Yeah. And then also we can drop it on our pages because the link is out there on PBS. So you can watch it online if you didn't get the chance to DVR it. But we wanted to shout that out. So check that out when you get a chance. Now, oh, a, a story who, who needs really prayer? needs prayer. Oh, right. Do we have to talk about, do we have to talk about this? 
Yes. Okay. Yes. That's what you do. I'm here. Because I was fascinated <laughs> with this story ever since it broke. The Gorilla Glue girl, God bless her heart, she finally got that mess out of her head thanks to a black plastic surgeon who did the surgery for free. Um, she ain't but, no girl. She a woman. She older than all of us. That true. She's 40. And she's a teacher. And I'm like, teaching what? That part. She's a that teacher. Part. Yes, girl. She, she has an actual education? Yes. She's a she's like an actual teacher. Yes. I'm pulling my child out of her class. Common. I'm I'm pulling my child out of her class. That almost reminds me of the white teacher that is now fired or he's um under investigation for telling the student something about slavery. Did you guys see that? The, the student was recording it. It was an AP history class and almost like no something about okay i don't have all the details i don't know where it was but anyway i heard he did they did pull him out of the classroom and he's under investigation but he kind of like tried to embarrass the black student in an ap class i know you know you know a lot of black people probably in there but anyway yeah so i would pull my child out of her class go anyway so they have been they were talking to her about why she put the gorilla glue in her hair in the first place and it turns out that she was late for a date with her fiance and she was out of this got to be like jail or whatever that she was using. And she was, I guess, running past the kitchen and she saw the Gorilla Glue and was like, oh, this will work. So I guess she just sprayed her hair to slick it down. And she was like, I can get this out later. And clearly it, it didn't come. It didn't come out. So if come up for doing dumb shit was a, a person. Yeah, she got like representation. She got certified on Instagram and like all these celebrities have been like name dropping her. So she, yeah. But she's under investigation for her GoFundMe. I don't understand why. I haven't listened to the story, but she's under investigation. Did you see that? I just saw I saw that, but I didn't read the article either. But that's why would people give her money? I have no, because people do stuff, stupid stuff. Like you can go and open up a GoFundMe for anything and bitches will just give it to you. Hey, while we at it, cash app, had a dollar sign. (laughs) Let's, let's put that shit out. Is that the right handle? Yes, it it is. Okay. Let me say it again. Dollar sign film noir files. You know, I guess people giving her money because they felt bad for her. But for what? Like, she's the one that started it, too, and then ended up getting someone to give. So I know she did give, supposedly, the money to a charity. Yeah. she got so much backlash. Oh, okay. Yeah, she did give Yeah, the and then he did it for free. So it was like she didn't even need the money. So. Yeah. But that whole yeah. got verified off of that. Go. And I but that's still some stupid shit. I'm sorry. I was so there for the um, w- comments, though. The comments were like, I wasn't hilarious. supporting her cause. No. I wasn't supporting that. I was just really invested. Like, is she going to have hair? And she still has hair. So that surgeon? She does. Kudos to him. I don't know how he did that because I was like, her follicles, all that shit finna fall out. But she still she still has some of her hair left. But He was playing music and everything. He a little hood. But he's used to TV too. So this was a come up for him as well. Why he got to be hood? That's because he black, KB. No, no, no. Because he was playing music. Now, what white folks, you know, playing you know, the African music in the damn sur- doing the surgeries. They play music they all the time. All the time. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take that back. But what I'm not going to take back is he got him a little clout for doing this too. He's been on some 
reality TV show. Yeah, so he did this also for his come up, which I ain't, you know, I ain't, I ain't mad at it. But you know who was a winner too? Gorilla Glue. Who? Sad. Facts they got free advertisement, and then you saw the fool who who put it on his lip, to lip yes. to the cup, talking about he thought it was what? A, yes, grown yes. ass man. People grown. have been doing challenges on social media, trying to act like it wasn't for real, and that this girl was playing. So this guy took a red cup and glued it to his lip, and ended up in the emergency room like two hours later. I hate it here. I hate it here so much. One thing I will say is I'm I'm just pissed at. There was even talk of a lawsuit to grow Gorilla Glue. Yeah, that's that what I lost all respect it. for her because I was like, you did that's it to I yourself. Right. You did it to yourself. There's no reason to sue these people, but whatever. But real quick, I do want to say send prayers out to the folks in Texas because they have been dealing yes. with this foolishness, dealing with the snowstorm um, for the past couple of days now. So Shout out to everybody that's down there. I have a couple of friends and family, and we have a couple of line sisters who are down there. So we checked on everybody earlier today. Everybody is doing okay. However, this is an instance of government officials failing their people. So how about Ted completely Cruz fucking up? Was Wait, actually Mexico in to the Mexico, place where he try, but he be trying to close the border to Mexico. But you went to Mexico. That part. Oh, okay. That part. That part. So I'm like, you are the main mofo yeah. who needs to be in the thick of it. And you up and left and was like, I ain't got to deal with this. I'll see y'all when I get back. Ain't going to talk about his daughters was home from school the whole week and they asked to go. You're a leader. Like, that's just not he ain't no leader. Do. He's, he's a coward. And he then also, coward. also, did y'all see that story about the one of the mayors out there in Texas who was like, y'all need to pull yourselves up by the bootstrap. If you ain't got no power, you need to go get a generator you and all of this stuff. You know he was As gone. he should have. As he should have. And his wife got fired as a result of them comments. So now ain't neither one of y'all got wow. no income. Why did the wife get fired? Because I guess it was all because her husband was popping off at the mouth. So whoever she was working for was like, we don't want to be associated with this. So now ain't neither one of y'all mm-hmm. got no job and y'all ain't got no power. Now how you feel? They got white. That's to be more careful. Right. Huh. They got right. white. So speaking of being all right, <laughs> wait, this is completely not on the list that we had. So did y'all know that after... January 21st that Mike Pence was homeless and was couch hopping. I heard that. I heard. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I just that just reminded me. I just wanted to bring that kind of full circle. But yeah. Yeah, because don't nobody want to mess with them. Don't nobody want to yeah. be associated but with no, them. No, because he well, no, the issue was is that you know he was governor of Indiana before he was vice president. So he was governor for what X amount of years. So basically, you know, when he became vice president, they didn't have to pay to stay anywhere. Right. They didn't have to pay for like housing. So this fool wasn't planning. And oh, they thought they were going to win the election, and they didn't get their ducks in a row for when that part. Right. So they went on vacation, and when they came back to America, they didn't have nowhere to live. Sound like a personal problem. Piss poor planning on your part. 
Oh my god! And he ain't got his homeboy uh, T Rump, so yeah, that probably ain't help him. That part but, too. But T Rump, they they gonna try to make that motherfucker uh, be homeless too when they done with his ass with all them lawsuits they coming with. But anyway. Uh, we know how that shit's gonna go, so yeah. I wouldn't even mention that. Like next. <laughs> so one more last thing that I wanted to share too, talking about Mike Pence being homeless. So there was someone who worked in Trump's administration who, like, basically he and his wife somehow were, I guess, were put up in like housing that was supplemented for or paid by the government. So basically, once the inauguration happened and Trump was out. They didn't have anywhere to live. So, you know, do you know that this couple reached out to the Biden administration and asked for them to cover their housing and allow them to stay in this housing like that was support that was supplemented by the government or paid for by the government until they could find a place to live on their own? Say what? So isn't it just ironic? Right. So basically. It's just ironic that they're asking to the government to supplement them when we know that Republicans are completely against all of that and completely against subsidized housing and having the government to support people. No, and like, that's I'm, exactly what you are asking President I'm, I'm, Biden to do. I'm not surprised. That's what Republicans do. They like to downplay and down talk people who need a hand out. But when it comes to them, they don't look at it that way. So that's why I'm, I'm like, you get the donkey of the day. I don't even know y'all, but y'all can kiss my entire yes. ass. <laughs> y'all Beep 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 oh, sorry. I wish y'all was Charlamagne. Sorry. Oh, I thought y'all didn't like Charlamagne, though. I thought y'all didn't like Charlamagne. Don't do it now. I love Charlamagne. I don't. Anyway, so speaking Dang. of government, and I know a lot of times we talk about you know things like FDA, and people don't always understand everything that's going on with clinical trials and because of this current climate you know I know we talked about this before and I really really wanted us to have a short discussion and really bring in what I call an expert with regards to clinical trials everyone kind of knows that I'm in that that lane of field um, but I, I work on the back end once the drug is already approved but you know having somebody who's had that experience of working um, you know with a drug that is actually coming to market, I think it's really important to understand just clinical trials in general, because you hear all these myths and things are going on. So I wanted this opportunity just to sit down with my homie, our soror. I have to say that, you know, we, we bring the reds out and the reds is tight. So, you know, I had to, you know, do that. So I want to bring her in to have this short conversation. So let's get ready. ready. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so Question is, are you ready? <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, guys. You should have never told me that. I know, right? <laughs> so let's officially welcome our guest. And she has asked me, because you know, we battled this whole KB thing that she is KB one. So for the purposes of this show, I'm gonna let it ride today. So welcoming Dr. KB number one. What's up? Hello, my people. So, Hi, let me tell Dr. You, KB, or KB1? KB1, you get it together for the show. So anyway, Dr. Bye. KB, I know, Dr. KB1 joined Jansen. you did it too. Oh, gosh. Dr. KB1 joined Jansen, the pharmaceutical companies of Johnson & Johnson in 2007 as a medical science liaison from the Rainbow Center for Women, 
Children and Families in Jacksonville, Florida. Do the okay, sorry. Where she served no, as <laughs> HIV clinical specialist and clinical assistant professor at the University of Florida School of Pharmacy. Dr. KB1 holds a doctor of pharmacy from UNC Chapel Hill and completed a pharmacy practice and an infectious diseases specialty residency. Since joining Janssen, she has also served as associate director training with responsibilities for the virology medical science liaison team. She also served as associate medical director of US medical affairs infectious diseases where she was responsible for working as part of both the hepatitis C virus and HIV clinical teams to lead efforts on research trials and launch team activities. She was also responsible for acting as a company's pharmacovigilance officer. She served as medical director for the HIV franchise. Then she served as scientific director for Janssen Research and Development, leading two large phase three clinical trials and several phase one studies. Now she serves as national field director and is responsible for medical strategy for field-based medical teams and development for the broader infectious diseases organization, including vaccines. In her free time, Dr. KB1 serves as recording secretary and co-chair of the technology committee for Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, as vice president of marketing for the Junior League of Philadelphia, as a board member of Vitri Community Partnership, the Brodsky Center Advisory Board, University of North Carolina Pharmacy Alumni Association, and UNC's Alumni Committee on Racial and Ethnic Diversity. Let's welcome to the table again, Dr. KB1. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What I should not have done is did that after drinking a little. No, you should not. That was a struggle bus. (laughs) Oh, and it's too long. For real. I I have a shorter one. So no, no, it's it's look, fine. Yeah, and y'all, we had to give her her flower. So listen, I wanted to bring you on KB1 so that we can kind of talk about clinical trials and just really educate folks on when we talk about phase one, two, three, even four studies, what does that actually mean? So I just want to kick this off and could you explain to even my co-hosts and our listeners, what are the phases of clinical trials and what's the purpose at each of those points? Because of course, each of those phases are for a particular reason. Yep, absolutely. So thank you first to the panel for having me. And before I think we get to phases, we actually need to discuss what clinical studies are and what clinical trials are. So they're just more or less a way um, to really research a medical question that specifically involves people. So that can be any ways to either prevent disease, detect disease, manage disease, or treat disease. And it doesn't necessarily have to involve drugs. And I think that that's one common misconception is that it's only about drugs or only about vaccines as we're hearing about every day now. So it could be you know, new um, ways of using existing treatments. It could be for various surgical techniques, behavioral changes, or even quality of life. So the, the term clinical trial is very, very broad. Um, but to get to your specific question about the phases of clinical trials, um, they are thought about in in different steps, if you will, or phases is just another way to talk about it. And each phase actually has a specific purpose um, as to why we're actually conducting that particular phase. And for a drug, if we wanna take that particular example, 
a drug has to go through several of these phases or several of these steps before we can actually see that it is approved either for a new indication or just getting approved for the first time via a new drug application. So let's start off with the first part of it. So you all have probably heard a lot recently around um, animal data and preclinical studies. And those are really done just to show if you uh, proof of concept. So if you have a drug and you think that it has a certain um, mechanism of action or it, the ability to treat a particular disease, we have to be able to show from a proof of concept standpoint that the drug or behavior or whatever um, may be able to actually have some benefit. And this is typically done in animals. So before we even touch a human being or use an investigational product in a human being, we're also gonna study it in animals first, just to prove our point of concept. After we've shown that there are no major safety or yeah, major safety issues with respect to animal studies and that we are seeing the intended effect or the proof of concept is verified, then we move into what we call human studies. So typically um, a drug will go through what we call phase one through phase four studies. So let's take a few moments just to walk through that. So phase one studies don't actually include patients that have a particular disease in most cases. Those are just healthy volunteers, people like you and I that come in and decide that we can sign up for a clinical trial in order to assess the side effects of a particular compound or a particular investigational product. So you might say, look, well, why even bother doing that? Well, we wanna use healthy volunteers first, really just to assess the true side effect profile of a particular investigational drug. And the only way to really do that is to use it in very, very healthy people. So that way you can make an assessment whether or not the drug is going to have any um, malintended uh, effects or adverse events because you wouldn't necessarily be able to do that if someone had medical conditions where they were already having some types of side effects or if they were on various different types of medications. So that's what we usually think about when we think about phase one. Phase two, for example, um, really starts to peel back the onion and looks at the safety and efficacy of a particular drug. And at that point in time, we're really looking at various doses. So, you know, you might have seven different doses that have potentially have been studied or thought about from our proof of concept standpoint, but we need to determine what is gonna be the correct dose in the human population. And when we think about phase two studies, these are typically people that have a certain disease. So these, these studies are small. They're usually pretty quick depending on the therapeutic area, um, but that sets the stage to say, okay, these are at least from a phase two standpoint deemed to be safe and efficacious but that can only be proven by moving into a phase three study. So phase three studies are where we actually compare the investigational treatment to either standard of care or placebo to actually prove that a drug is safe and efficacious. Now these studies are much, much larger. They may have hundreds of patients or even thousands of patients in some cases, depending on the therapeutic area. And really we're using that comparative aspect that I talked about before, either comparing it to standard of care, drugs that we're already using every day that are approved, or placebo to ensure that it is actually safe and efficacious. So that it's gonna work and it's gonna work in the intended way that we expect it to, and that we're not gonna see any sort of crazy untoward side effects that we didn't see in phase one or phase two. And then lastly, phase four. So we think about phase four studies. These studies are only done after 
the drug is approved. So basically phase three studies are the studies that you need in order to get FDA approval or approval from any other health authority across the world. But what phase four studies do is they are looking at specific populations of people. So those people that may have comorbid conditions or if we need to understand long-term safety um, for a particular product or even effectiveness, that's where we look at uh, phase four studies. So I'll pause there yeah. and see what additional questions you have. Thank you for really breaking that down. Uh, I think one of those things that we have to talk about is that before you move to each of these phases, you have to show some some level of the safety or efficacy in order to move to that next phase. So I think that's important because a lot of studies get stopped at phase one or phase two or even yeah. phase three and they don't proceed on. And I think people need to understand that. So when it's gotten to a certain point, then we've kind of tested it out and we kind of know what's going to happen. But like you said, we're looking for new ways and anything else that didn't show up beforehand. And especially when you start talking about different dosing. And you know that my experience has kind of set more into the phase four studies. And um, I think I was telling you the other day about the study that I'm working on now in designing, um, you know, it, it, it's just this rigorous look at everything. And so we'll kind of talk a little bit more about that. And I know you mentioned FDA and I just want to make sure, you know, sometimes we always say certain things that people don't always know that that is. So I just want to make sure you know, people understand like what FDA is. Of course, we all know that stands for Food and Drug Administration, mm -hmm. but what is it that the FDA kind of needs? And I know you mentioned it with phase three trials, that's where we get that approval, but what's kind of required? And I know, of course, it depends on, like you said, the therapeutic area. You know, I now that I'm in a new disease state area, I see that their studies are a little shorter than what I'm used to working with. And I'm like, oh, you can go that short. And so it really does kind of depend. Can you talk a little bit about that just to kind of educate folks about that a little bit about FDA process? Yeah, so the Food and Drug Administration or FDA has various different guidance documents, which tell us one, how to design certain studies um, for investigational products, as well as products that are approved. They also tell us the uh, number or specific um, amount of people that we need to have within a study um, to actually show a difference. And they also give us guidance on what those efficacy endpoints should be. So how do we know that the drug is actually even working? How do we know that the drug is actually safe and effective? So many companies can come up with their own data um, after you know, completing the trial, but that has to be submitted to this regulatory body to actually deem as though that it's safe and effective. So we as a company may deem that it's safe effective based on our interpretation of the data, but the FDA also does their own interpretation of the data um, and, and makes that true assessment as to whether or not it's going to work, it's gonna be safe and it's gonna be effective in the population. One other point to make is that in certain situations, certain drugs can be approved off of earlier phases of data. So you don't necessarily have to have phase three data in order to be for it to be approved. What we call those are contingency approvals. And sometimes you would hear terms like subpart H or what we're even hearing now with emergency use authorizations. Yeah. And those typically only occur if there is either a, a disease that is causing complete havoc, like we, we were talking about now um, that's in the news, or something that is gonna be severely, severely detrimental to the community where um, some drugs have been approved based on phase two data However, there are no shortcuts. So it doesn't mean just because they are getting approved off of contingency approval that that's all that they have to do. Any drug company still has to complete all phases of the process. So they would still have to complete phase three studies in order to get their full approval. 
Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, and, and I think we normally see that also it kind of in those oncology studies, right? The cancer studies. Is that mm -hmm. an example? Yeah, because yeah. I've learned from their group, you know, I kind of sit in this mental health world. So our studies are a little different, like you were saying, and our study endpoints and now being in another therapeutic area. I'm like, okay, well, this is the study endpoint they need. And they're like, yes, this is the one the FDA is, you know, requiring for us in order to get approved. So definitely thank you for like breaking that down, especially with those emergency use, you know, do they have to still complete those steps? So I, I love that you said that. And I think that we've already kind of talked about this, but studies do vary as far as length that they're required, mm -hmm. depending on the therapeutic area. Any thoughts about that? Um, I, I love that you said there's no shortcuts, but any thoughts around, those time periods and how you can't really judge, you know, how long a study is, it does depend on that therapeutic area in that particular. Um, yeah, it depends on the therapeutic area. It depends on the question that the study is actually trying to answer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Depends on the number of patients that are enrolled in the trial or the number of patients that actually have a disease. So if we want to take um, an HIV study, for instance, we'll need a few hundred patients to a few thousand patients to actually show a difference. And that's based off of guidance that's given by the FDA. And there's constant conversations. What we're seeing now um, with the media and some of the, the trials that are out now, we're seeing tens of thousands of patients that are included in these studies. And it really has to do with the disease burden or the amount of people that actually are impacted by the particular disease that we're actually trying to evaluate. Yeah, that makes total sense. So one of the questions that, you know, our audience, we focus on Black people. So I'm, I'm going to bring my, my, my co-host in because I, I, I know they have questions around this area because we do, we focus on educating our people. Of course, we have other people that might listen to this podcast, but we do, we, we want to focus on our people. And so I think one of those things to talk about, and we actually have our co-producer on here who he and I are both in a clinical trial. And um, so that's been an, an, an interesting, you know, you know, to be on that opposite side. So one of the things I want to talk a little bit about is the importance of Black and African Americans participating in clinical trials. Um, you know, I've had discussions with Elle and Suge about this, and, you know, we were kind of going back and forth for about, you know, just being in clinical trials and, and trying out new drugs, and what does that really look like? So can you talk a little bit about some of the risks that might be associated with participating in, in, a, in a trial, and but also those benefits. And I think you address some of those risks that we end up knowing before we get to say a phase three uh, study, but what are some of those risks, but then still those benefits of having our people into clinical trials? Yeah, and I'll just inject right there and say that this is kind of my question because I will admit I'm nervous about getting this vaccine. So I don't really trust it. I know everybody else has gotten a shot, but I haven't. So if you could answer this question for me, I'm particularly interested in this subject. So KB1, before you also respond, I just want to say we all know the only reason why I got the shot is because I have to go back to work in person. If I did not have to go back to work in person and they were not offering it to us, I would not have taken it. And it even, and KB can also tell you, it took a long time for me to even feel comfortable with getting it. And I get my second dose in a few days. So I will not discuss specifics of the vaccines that are um, candidates for approval or that are under emergency use authorization. However, I can discuss clinical trials in general. And I think it really boils down to a few different things. When we, when we think about 
minorities and specifically black people actually participating in clinical trials. So, you know, we've heard a whole lot about health disparities over late. However, there have been multiple health disparities that have been out there for a number of years. And what I've had to do is sit back and ask myself, are we preventing our own selves by not participating, by having the fear and not educating ourselves about clinical trials, the health inequities that we are actually trying to fight. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that and actually reflect on that, and you think about clinical trials, what we see is that roughly about 80 to 90% of our clinical trials are in Caucasians across the world and specifically in the US. When you think about clinical trials, they're getting novel technologies that are either prolonging their lives or stopping potential side effects that they're having from their particular disease. And they're getting them much earlier along with the free healthcare that goes along with being in a clinical trial. Yeah. So then the drug gets approved and then what happens? So someone answer that for me. Oh, can I say, can I tell then you? Then we all want to get it. Then we all want to no, get no, it. No, we don't all right? want to get it. Because guess what? Then the providers in, in, in KB1, you tell me if you've seen this. What I've seen is that if the data does not show us in the population, sometimes providers are hesitant about treating us because they don't know if it's going to work in us. So then we are stopped from getting some of those treatments or not exposed to some of those treatments because it hasn't been studying in our population. Money. So, you know, I'm going to stop this. Money. So we we are even widening that health disparity or that health equity gap even further by not even considering it. And I do understand we have to acknowledge the atrocities that took place before. But there have been several steps that have been put in place by the FDA, as well as various other health authorities and good clinical practices to ensure that Tuskegee, Mm -hmm. um, Henrietta Lacks, all of the examples. All the serializations. Yeah. And, then, and I think that's an important part, right? Because I feel like even just going through, you know, I've been through this process of creating a protocol. This is like my second time doing this, right? <laughs> the rigor that you have to go through, I try to explain it to people. Like yeah. I am yeah. sitting, I am sitting in a standing point right now with just the concept. I'm at the concept portion. Mind you, we've already talked about the concept, but now I'm having it reviewed by other people. It's a long process. It's not an easy process. It takes sometimes years to get a study from start to finish because of all of the the rigor that you have to go through. And like you say, I think we can't we can't not acknowledge the Tuskegee experiment. We can't not acknowledge what has happened. You have to. Like I know that's something else. Like we've all talked about. You can't act like it didn't happen. But then, like you say, what are those effects of how is that affecting us today? And like you say, even from us not being able to be maybe studied in those studies, but then also the money that it costs to, to even get some of these medications, some of our insurances. And I mean, there's a array of problems. And, and, and not even from that type of benefit, but the way that I even look at it is you made the point. So we might be on older therapies, less mm-hmm. efficacious therapies, therapies that cause more side effects because it hasn't even been studied in us. Yeah. And if, we look, at, if we look at the folks that are even on this call, we're all different. Mm-hmm. Genetically, we're, I mean, we're all black people, but we're all different. And yeah. if you think about that, many of our drugs are only being studied in the Caucasian population. We don't know what the side effects are going to be like in blacks. We don't know what the efficacy is going to be like in blacks. I know everybody's grandma has hypertension, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. 
<laughs> and so what we have sometimes found is that older drugs are used in, in our grandparents or different classes of drugs have to be used because they have found that they're more efficacious. But that was only found out after the fact. It wasn't actually found out in the clinical trial. Why? Because we weren't in there. Yeah. So to me, it really boils down to a few different things. It boils down to health equity. Mm-hmm. It boils down to making sure that we are actually then going to get the drug. So the, the reverse to what you said, KB2, <laughs> <laughs> that providers won't use it because they don't have data. But there are some providers that will use it in us despite not having data. And I think that we have to think about, you know, the genetic variability in all of us that we actually don't have the data for. So are we doing ourselves a disservice from that standpoint as well? And then, you know, just forward progress with medicine, because we don't have that information, because we don't know how those drugs are going to react in our bodies, it's missing information that we won't have for many, many years to come. And we've all heard of certain drugs being pulled from the market for various different reasons, but how long did it take before those drugs were out and how many thousands of people had to use them before they had that data to pull drugs from market? Yeah. So it's definitely some some risks that we find out earlier, but there's a lot of benefits that could help us as well. And, and like you said, there's so many things that are put into place. So I have a quick question, KB1. I mean, yes, KB1, because <laughs> I always feel like how, like, I feel like I know about clinical trials and things like that because I have a friend and someone who's in my circle who's a pharmacist and who works in that arena. But how can like the regular like Joe Blow like find out about clinical trials, especially black people? Like how can we find out about them so that we're able to sign up and participate? Yep. So there's a few different websites um, and apps actually that can make people aware of their options for clinical trials. And even before that, something as simple as frankly, just having a conversation with your doctor and asking them what clinical trials are actually available for me? Doesn't have to be an investigational drug. It can be a drug that's already approved. It could be behavioral things or other types of um, non-conventional treatments that can be used to treat certain conditions. It doesn't necessarily have to be a drug. So one, just communicating, asking your doctor. Nine times out of 10, so two of you are already on this call in a clinical trial. Nine times out of 10, you probably know somebody that's in a clinical trial and has had that experience, that they can share their experience and talk about it and show how they've gotten the information. So the other two methods that I would say are via the web. There's a website called clinicaltrials.gov that has every clinical trial that is going on in the United States right now. There are some that are underway. So like KB2's trial, who she's working on, is probably not published yet because it's not further, it's not far enough along. Um, but that is something that is publicly available if people have a certain condition and they want to learn more about it. With respect to Black people, there are also um, some now diversity clinical trial websites that are out there. So I'm not going to promote one over the other, but if people just go to Google and they can just put in diversity clinical trial or Black people clinical trial, those websites are actually going to come up. Apple also has an app now that's called Research as well that will let you know about clinical trials in your area according to your specific um, ailment or condition that you have as well. So there's multiple tools that people can use to actually find out about clinical trials. 
And there's also, if you follow some people on Instagram that are in clinical trials, they have talked about and shared their own personal experience with being in a clinical trial, what the visits are like, what you should expect. So if you don't know anyone personally, there's lots of different methods to find out more about getting access to them or just what they're like in general. And that's so funny. I'm actually going to be on a panel. I think it's next month. Uh, KB1, I had asked you about joining, but I'm actually going to sit on the panel, not from a research standpoint. I'm sitting on the panel as a patient standpoint. And so that would be super interesting because again, you know, being in an office, you're setting up these trials, you're getting these vendors to run your study with you, you know, even have the app available just to advertise all those components. And then to be on the other side, it's been a pretty interesting situation of even my first visit being hella long. I'm like, why am I still sitting here? So, you know, but again, you get the greater cause, you understand the greater purpose. And so you deal. Listen, I think I told KB1, I didn't know I would get paid like this. Like, I didn't know. And so X had made the same comment, like, you know, that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it for the greater reason. And I'll tell you guys why I joined into a clinical trial, because I was trying to explain to my circle, my village, about the importance of us being in clinical trials, about us getting treatment Mm -hmm. for whatever it is. And, you know, after talking so much and people just not like, nah, I'm gonna wait till you do it. Okay, well, let me, let me go ahead and do this. So then you will feel comfortable with doing it. And so for me, it was more about me participating so that I can help the next person feel comfortable with moving towards the same kind of thing. So and sharing your experience, yeah. experience, exactly. And sharing your experience and understanding like, so you run clinical trials, yeah. but understanding what it's actually like to be a participant. Oh and yeah. I think. I think that that's so important. So I wish that I could have enrolled, but um, <laughs> didn't pan out for me. So, yeah. well, but it you, is important. And I, you know, I think us, especially as healthcare providers, you, like you mentioned, you have to sort of be one of the leaders out there, but I'd say specifically mm-hmm. for us, because we are running clinical trials. How yeah. are we going to run clinical trials and then not participate? And it's, and it's given me some eye-opening moments, right? So even with now we're about to bring this particular vendor on, you know, I'm going to be asking, how does your app work? Because, you know, just like little things that I don't think I thought about before, now I'm kind of thinking about it. And what's the, what's it like for the patient to have to deal with this? So it's, it's all these components that now I'm going to ask about, because like you said, now I've had the opportunity to actually sit in on one. And also just that burden, like you say, it is a, a bit, you have to go to these visits and you have to do these things. But again, it's that greater good, you're helping out you may even, it's a great way to receive treatment. Listen, people jump on cancer trials because it is a great way to get treatment, right? So it is, you know, something to consider, especially for those, you know, terminal kind of illnesses and stuff like that. So I I love that you told us about resources um, and and so forth that people can find out. So that was a great question, Ellen. I'm glad we put that out into the universe. Um, One of the things I think I want to uh, mention and, and, you know, X, please also jump in as a, as a person who is also currently, you know, in a clinical trial. Um, how did you feel about being one? Let me just ask you that real quick. And, you know, going into your visits, any thoughts about it? <laughs> so, yeah, um, like I've said before, I got in because I was concerned because just because I saw how many people were saying, how many of us were saying that they didn't they didn't trust the the vaccine or any vaccines or anything. And it's like, well, none of us are signing up to 
being a study. None of us are signing or going to want to take it. I'm just like, hey, I need to just get out there. And I figured because I was in the military, I've been stuck up with so many vaccines and like I've had the anthrax, you know, eight, nine shots of it. And it's like, if something was going to happen to me, it would have happened to me, you know, and maybe that's not the right way of thinking about it scientifically, but it's just like, why not? What I know that they wouldn't, I, I, well, I have the feeling that they wouldn't put these drugs out for human consumption if there was a serious problem that they were, that they were concerned about. So let's just go through, find out how it affects us what we can do to mitigate that and then be able to help more people. Yeah. And you, t- you learned today about the different phases. So you kind of know when certain things will, it will not proceed if we see certain signals. So that's important. And I, I want to, oh, go ahead. The other thing, which I don't want to go into COVID, but when we think about, I'll just bring up COVID. We are dying from this. Yes, Lord. Yes. We are dying. Say it again for the people in the back. So for us to be like, nah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, okay, but if you get it, you need to really think about the safety of what you could be taking versus the impact and effects, long-term effects of actually getting the virus. That's one of the scariest things, especially with the younger people we were hearing. So I'm glad you brought that up. And this actually goes into my next question in, you know, thinking about these large-scale things that happen around the world. And, and, and most recently, we're starting to hear about Ebola and this outbreak that's back, I guess. And, um, you know, these reports that are surf- surfacing back up. How important is it to, you know, we think about, you know, putting clinical trials with Black people and so forth. But how important is it also to think about the region that it's located in, in, in around the world and where these studies are taking place mm-hmm. and where their patients are coming from? Like, how important is that part? It's super important. Um, So when we think about regions, so while we may all be black, we don't all eat the same things. Mm -hmm. We don't all take the same types of medications and things of that nature. So all of those particular things can impact how a drug works in the body. Um, So it is super, super important. And genetically, frankly, we're not all the same even though we're all black. Um, So it's super important for us to make sure that we have diversity overall, meaning age, gender, race, comorbid conditions, you know, Mm -hmm. various health conditions that are going on as well. Because once you get it out in the general population, that's when you're going to start to see some of those differences that you didn't see in the clinical trial if they weren't there to begin with. So it's super, super important that you just have just, in my opinion, general diversity, no matter where the study is taking place, but especially depending on the therapeutic area internationally as well. Yeah. And I think that's important. Also mention that a lot of companies do look at data after the drug has come to market. I don't think people realize that the companies are still watching to make sure that things are safe. And if you hear a drug that got pulled off, it's because they've been monitoring it. So it's a constant cycle. It doesn't end once the drug gets approved. Like you said, we start looking at it in comorbidities and other populations and special populations, but we also are still just constantly monitoring to see if there's a signal that didn't show up before that we want to kind of watch for. So I think it's important to let people know that that's happening even when they're not even thinking about it. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, this is awesome. I just want to maybe end with one more question. You know, what's something that you think the pandemic has taught us and how we prepare for future biological threats? What's something you can 
you, you would say? The interesting thing to answer your question has really been about human behavior. Mm. I think that that honestly has been the most interesting thing, whether you think about it with respect to hand washing, following rules, thoughts and interpretation of science. I just really think that human behavior and how it's impacted not only health, science, economics, racial and social injustice, and, and all of that type of thing has just been truly fascinating to me. For sure. I, I'm thinking about washing hands. You hear these restaurants saying, oh, you know, we're cleaning, we're extra cleaning. Well, what were you doing before this started? So I agree. Human behavior is like a thought, right? I know me and LB talk about this all the time. Like it's a thought. And even the star, don't ask me who it is because I don't know who it is that said it, but I heard him <laughs> say it. And he was saying, even after the pandemic is over, like he's going to continue probably wearing a mask on a plane. Like it's just this thought now that we realize how much germs and everything is out there and how we transmit this stuff. That's definitely, I think, a lesson that- Yeah, and I think, you know, to that point about mask wearing, two points actually. So we will move from a pandemic to an epidemic. So this isn't something that is just gonna go away. Just as you mentioned, Ebola. Ebola went away and then it came back. So viruses don't just disappear. They do actually come back. And I think that the other point to make is that this will probably be one of the first of many mm-hmm. pandemics that we'll probably see in our lifetime. Is there wow. a reason why we're starting to like, see these come so much? Because what the, the Spanish flu was what, 19... 18. 18, 17? What was it? 18, 1918. 1918. So like, is there a reason why we're going to start? What, what's the thought behind why we're going to start seeing more of these kind of things? Is it the environment? Is it... Okay. All right. Okay. Elle, you had a question? I, I, don't know. I did. Well, it's more so a comment. So even going back to what you said, KB, about like us wearing masks or the celebrity saying he was still going to continue to wear a mask. I was KB talking too. to someone. KB of course, too. I, I can't. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. KB2. KB2. Um, I can't remember who I was having a conversation with about this, but he was basically saying how like this is why people in China wear masks when they're out, like people, you know, and as Americans, we kind of like laughed at them or looked at them funny when we would see them walking down the street with masks on, but it's like, now we get it. I thought it was because of the air. I'm sorry? I thought it was because of the air quality. No, so think about it. So I think people think coronavirus just popped out of thin air this year. No, this it's been around. Too, right? Yeah, yeah I did. There's been multiple, yeah. um, there's MERS, there's SARS, there's mm-hmm. H1N1. So there's various different types of respiratory viruses that have been around. I think they primarily impacted more of the Asian continent than they have here. And I think that honestly, from a discipline standpoint, they've just been more conscientious about caring for other people and not trying to spread disease. Going back to that behavioral topic that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Versus in other places in the world, we don't necessarily do that because it impacts our rights. So. Uh, and I just Ooh, want not impacts our rights. Shots fired. And I just wanted to point out um, one of the same thing where he was saying that he's probably going to wear a mask on the airplanes as well. If you look at um, Asian culture, um, I watch I watch a lot of anime. I watch a lot of um, Chinese movies. And you see people wearing masks as just a part of who they are. It's like, it's just, be- and I think that's because of what happened with SARS and a couple other respiratory things that they had in the past. And I honestly believe that 
here in America, we're going to start seeing that becoming just the norm now. Yeah. And then also, um, I do want to say while I was living in South Korea, I did witness like people wearing masks and I never understood it. So it's also a way of protecting other people. Like if people were sick and they had a cold, they would wear a mask just to make sure that other people weren't affected. And then I also realized that it was also a beauty hack. So sometimes if girls didn't feel like putting on makeup, they would just put on a mask and act like they were sick because they didn't want to be bothered with having to dress up that day. But I think that that's something that we could learn here in America is that, you know, not only take care of yourself, but watch out for other people. And clearly we see people haven't been doing that with all the pushback that people have been giving about. It's my right not to wear a mask, but that's something that we could learn from um, the Asian continent. And think about it where we are now, did we have to be here if people just wore a mask? No, no. exactly. No. Look no. at the other countries. No. no. Yeah. Well, and just they were able to shut like, it down so quickly. I, I mean, I don't see, I don't have the numbers, but I feel like the flu this, this winter has been a lot less worse because we're wearing masks, we're sanitizing yeah, hands. Yeah, absolutely. Things, so we're not spreading the flu like we were in the past year. This is crazy. This is awesome. Thank you so much, KB1, for coming on and educating our people. We have to have you back when, you know, we have some more of these clinical type questions and and what's happening in research. So again, thank you, KB1. Uh, You know, if listeners, y'all have any questions, shoot them to us on our Gmail. That's femnoirfiles at gmail.com and we'll get them to uh, Dr. KB1 and and see if we can get your question answered. So I'll shoot it to you, Shug, to close us out. So for our Dope, Gifted, and Black, we wanted to highlight Miss Naomi Osaka, who recently defeated um, Serena Williams in the Australian Open. So I kind of have mixed emotions about that because I was really rooting for Serena. Like, I wanted her to to tie that record. Yes, KB. No. Serena didn't wear no Black Lives Matter or nothing in her in that last Open. What? So I fucking with her. Great I'm job, Naomi. Move along. I want her to win. Thank she's you, KB1. Thank, Thank you, KB1. She's old and she's broken barriers that multiple other people have not broken. Well, she so. got that white penis now and she done forgot that oh. she's oh, old. She, okay, let me go. Okay, she'll continue. Sorry. Well, she got a real black mama and daddy. I'll say that from Compton. That part. Thank you. She must have forgot. Go. Anyway, Naomi shouted her out um, during the win, although Serena did get a little emotional in the press conference after all was said and done. The question was asked if she's going to retire now, and she responded that she didn't know. And she said if she ever did say farewell, she wouldn't tell anyone. But when somebody was asking the next question, she started to tear up and just kind of walked off the stage so but also kudos to Naomi because she also won over my heart like KB KB2 mentioned she has been wearing a lot of different mm-hmm. things shouting out like Black Lives Matter she also wore a uh, um, LA Lakers jersey for for Kobe and um, his daughter who also passed away a year ago last month So she has been bringing a lot of awareness to a lot of 
black issues, but also in one of the earlier matches, there was a butterfly that landed on her and she took the time to stop the match and made sure that the butterfly got to safety before they started the match. So I thought that was really adorable. That's some shit she could do. I love that. I was That's like, oh. He's like, I'm going to stop my match. All right, sorry. Yes. So. Don't want the butterfly to be hurt, but all the shout out to both of them because they are phenomenal athletes and Although I hate that Serena lost, I'm really excited, and I hope that Naomi takes it all the way. Now it's gonna say, "Get your thirty nine year old ass out there and play." <laughs> thank you. Wait, what? What you said? Right. Dr. KB one. Tell us. Right. Wait, hmm. what you said? What you had say? <laughs> Get your thirty nine year old ass out there <laughs> on the court, and let's see what you can do. I know my limitations. I'm just telling you who I was rooting for because they rooting for my people, huh? they both your people right they both black exactly I'm gonna shut up so we just just want to uh, thank Dr. KB1 for joining us today and sharing information about clinical trials y'all have almost made me a believer I just want to say that I have downloaded Apple Research to my phone so I'm gonna do my own little research and look at some studies because who knows, y'all might see L in a study down the road. So again, we want to thank Dr. KB1 for joining us. This has been another episode of the Feminora Files. Bye. Don't forget to listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Play. Connect with us on social media at Feminora Files on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Fem Noir Files. Bye!